Well, the Big 12 in general is starting to see an uptick on the recruiting trail. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Great to be here with you once again for another week. We are taking you in to the July 4th weekend here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So, And before we dive into the uh, biggest stories of the day in the Big 12, a reminder, if you could, uh, take a moment out, hit that subscribe button on this podcast. You know that we are uh, now beating, if you look up Big 12 on iTunes or Spotify, we're top of the heap, all right? We're beating The Athletic, we're beating CBS, ESPN, we're beating all them in the podcast categories for Big 12. It's because of you. That's why I've got free Heartland College Sports koozies that I will send to you for free when you leave me a rating and a review on this show and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I know I mention it every week, but it really makes all the difference in the world, and I can't thank you guys enough for doing it. So thanks so much. Uh, I'm starting to see some positive trends for the Big 12, not just anecdotally, but the big picture as well. And we've talked about the Big 12 recruiting, how it maybe has under-recruited for quite some time now, but... I want to be an optimist here and say that things are starting to improve. Anecdotally, Baylor picked up a ton of, uh, not a ton, but multiple commitments over the last several days. They are a finalist for a four-star defensive end, Derek Brown, out of Texarkana, Texas. Brown announced his final two on uh, Monday night, and they were Texas and Baylor. So, yes, Texas and Baylor, the final two, a big 12 school And by the way, Texarkana in eastern Texas, which has quietly become more SEC country in recent years. Well, guess what? It's two Big 12 schools dueling it out for the rights of a top 15 edge rusher in the country in the class of 2022 and Derek Brown, a top 300 player. And uh, a guy who either program is going to benefit greatly from having. I mean, that's outstanding. And I'm looking at just the 247-2022 team rankings right now. And, yes, there's a ways to go. I understand that. I'm not naive to it. I'm not saying, look at this, slam dunk. No, I'm not saying that. But when you look at the rankings, which, yes, it helps you when you're Baylor and you have 18 commits and you're ranked ahead of USC, who has only nine commits, but USC has you know, a couple of five-star guys and Baylor does not. But when you still look at these rankings and you've got Baylor with already 18 commits ranked 13th in the country for the class of 2022, when you've got Texas at 6, OU at 10, and I bet you OU will be higher than 10th when all is said and done, okay? When you've got OU at 10th, Texas at 6, Baylor at 13, Oklahoma State in the top 25 with a couple of four-star guys as well out of their 11 commitments. Yes, a couple of four-star guys already. And two running backs, by the way, C.J. Brown and Ollie Gordon. When you've got teams like West Virginia making moves on the recruiting trail. When you've got Iowa State slowly getting better on the recruiting trail with a top 50, 5-0 ranking. That's good stuff, okay? That's where I believe this conference should be. Now, Kansas State and Kansas are always going to struggle. TCU only has four commits right now, but that will obviously improve. But here's how the Big 12 should be shaping up, all right? How it should shape up from a recruiting perspective, OU and Texas should have top five or uh, top 10, let's be fair, top 10 recruiting classes every year. 
because you figure some combination Ohio State, you know, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, OU, Texas, uh, Notre Dame, whatever you, you know, however you want to mix that together. Those are your top five to 10 teams every year on the recruiting trail Penn State, USC. Then you get into that 15, 10 to 15, and then all the way down to 25 are pretty close. And that's where Oklahoma State should be every year. I mean, a big critique of Mike Gundy, in my opinion, fairly, has been the fact that he has not turned, uh, you know, heck, 10 years ago, national championship contenders into top 15 recruiting classes. He should be able to do that. Stillwater's a great college town, great program, all the resources you need, proximity to an enormous amount of talent. Oklahoma State, you know, should at least be a top 25 recruiting team. It really hasn't been under Mike Gundy. As good as he's done, obviously, with this program, it has not really paid off with big-time recruits. Just it hasn't turned out that way. Now, it still worked, and they've won, you know, a lot of football games, but they should be recruiting better. So if this thing lands with Gundy, you know, having a top 25 class, I mean, that's outstanding. That's, that's where things should be for Mike Gundy as far as I'm concerned. Because when you look at recent years, I mean, 30 in 2021 – Uh, You go back to the class of 2020, that class was ranked 40th. The 2019 class for Mike Gundy was ranked 38th. So they've kind of been in that 35 to 45 range, and they should be better. If this class can get itself into the top 25, well, that's where Oklahoma State recruiting should be. Baylor. Uh, Let's talk about Baylor, Dave Aranda. What Baylor and Dave Aranda uh, are doing right now is very impressive. You know, Matt Rule did not recruit at a super high level. He, he he, overachieved with those guys. He developed incredibly well, incredibly well. But he was not recruiting top 15, top 20 classes. I mean, you go back in time here, Baylor's 2017 class was ranked 40th. The 2018 class was ranked 29th. The 2019 class was ranked 35th. So good, but I mean, not knock your socks off. If Dave Aranda is recruiting top 15 and top 20 classes, that changes the game. And Dave Aranda's guy with obviously deep ties in SEC country, if he can get his connections and his guys to come out, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but both sides of the ball, if he can out-recruit some SEC West teams for Eastern Texas kids and kids in SEC country, I mean, that's a game-changer right there. That is an absolute game-changer for the Baylor Bears. And, And Dave Aranda who I don't know what kind of developer he is yet as a head coach. I don't know what kind of X's and O's guy he is as a head coach. Is he is he on Matt Rule's level for that? I mean, that's going to be tough to duplicate. But if he can recruit better than Matt Rule, that's a great first step. And that's exactly the kind of first step you would want Baylor to, you know, be able to accomplish. So to me, when I look around the Big 12, the other team – that should be and has been, in fairness, consistently top 25, uh, more or less, is TCU. I mean, since Gary Patterson got into the Big 12, uh, they're not right now, but since they got into the Big 12, you go back a few years, uh, you know, they've had a lot of teams right there in the top 25. The 2021 class was not one of the better classes. It ranked 8th in the Big 12 and 60th in the country, but the 2020 class was 3rd in the Big 12, 24th in the country, 2019, 31 in the country, third in the Big 12. 2018, 25th in the country, third in the Big 12. 2017, 28th in the country, third in the Big 12. Overall, Gary Patterson has recruited about 
the third or fourth best teams in the conference. Now, has he kind of fallen back a little bit because the program has had, you know, a lot of mediocre years in a row now? I don't think I don't think TCU has lost its mojo. They're right there in the Dallas Metroplex, Fort Worth Metroplex. You've got a ton of talent within, I mean, heck, uh, 45 minutes in any direction. So it should not be a difficult place to recruit to. But, you know, they haven't been great the last three seasons. So maybe that plays a role. But to me, the four teams I look at in this conference that should consistently recruit in the top 25, OU, Texas, Oklahoma State, and TCU. All right? And then I look at that next level, and I see from the Big 12, I see uh, some combination of West Virginia, Baylor, Iowa State, Texas Tech. And it can flip-flop around, all right? Those four can flip-flop around. And then Kansas, Kansas State are probably at the bottom end. But, you know, for Kansas State, Chris Kleiman applying the Bill Snyder model has at least worked pretty well thus far. I mean, what Chris Kleiman has done through a couple of seasons with mostly Bill Snyder guys, and Bill Snyder did not recruit well those last couple of years, Without Bill Snyder guys, or with Bill Snyder guys, Kleiman's exceeded expectations. He's finally getting to the point this year where we will start to see what exactly uh, his mark looks like on the program with his guys. And that's what's going to be very interesting to watch that develop, to watch that unfold, what it looks like for Chris Kleiman with his guys. And until Lance Leipold's got a little bit more under his belt, I don't know what to expect out of KU. I, I, I don't. But I'll be intrigued to see, like, Iowa State, Matt Campbell, as long as he's there, I don't know what kid, let's be honest, I don't know what kid would not want to play for Matt Campbell. You go up to Ames, great college town, I get it's a ways away from most recruits. So if it's one of those things where you want to be able to watch your kids play on a weekend, every weekend, easily, maybe Iowa State's not the best fit. That probably is what holds them back more than anything. But you go to Ames, I mean, you'll, you'll uh, you'll be a happy camper there, especially playing for the staff. It'll be great. And now that Matt Campbell's got himself not just Big 12 contention, can he turn this into top 25 recruiting classes? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, last year's class ranked 58th. 2020 class was 46th. 2019 class was 46th. So Campbell will say, I want my guys. I want Iowa State guys. And, you know, that's what coaches say. It it is a, a bit of a cliche at times, but that is what they say. And there's no doubt, no one can judge, you know, Matt Campbell's ability to get his guys and get his recruits. But sometimes I think when coaches say that, like when they say, I got to get my guys, what they're kind of implying is that, well, you know, the two and three star guys are higher character than the four and five star guys. And frankly, I don't think that's fair to a lot of the four and the five star guys. Sure, there's some wacky big egos, four and five star guys. No doubt about it. Wacky, wacky big egos. But there's a lot of good kids that are four stars. And there's, you know, a couple five stars, obviously, out there. Not many. But, you know, let's not let's not use that as an excuse for why you can't get four and five stars. And Matt Campbell absolutely can. I mean, Brees Hall. Four-star guy, right? I mean, it, it, that's that's a prime example. You want to talk about taking a four-star guy and turning him into a star? That's exactly, exactly what he did with um, with a guy like Brees Hall, who is going to be the best running back in the Big 12 this fall. So I'm intrigued to see what that next level looks like for Matt Campbell. And if he wants to or if he gets this place to recruiting top 
let's start with top 40 programs year in, year out. Maybe you get then the top 30 programs year in, year out. Maybe once in a while you find yourself in the top 25. I mean, as long as he's in charge, as long as this staff is there, I, that seems entirely doable to me. But either way, I'm seeing a very solid upward trajectory for the Big 12 Conference on the recruiting trail in the 2020 cycle, and I very much hope it holds, and we'll see if it will. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. Great to be with you for another week, and there is a lot going on, actually. Believe it or not, there's a lot going on. Who is predicting Oklahoma to win the national championship? We'll tell you who and why. Coming up next on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So the Oklahoma Sooners have gone from getting college football playoff odds as they've gotten for several years in a row now to now getting picked to win national championships. By who? How about this? Phil Steele. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the show. Your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. So, you know, OU for five, six years now has just been one of those teams that Uh, rightfully so, gets picked to make the college football playoff, right? But rarely has Oklahoma been a team that gets picked to win a national championship. It just hasn't typically happened in recent years. It's Alabama, it's Clemson, it's Ohio State, and yeah, OU can get to the playoff, and they will get to the playoff, but they'll lose. Not this year. Phil Steele, of course, one of the most respected voices in college football, his uh, his magazine came out, and I am a junkie for these magazines. I got to get them all ordered up here pretty soon. But, uh, you know, more to check out the rest of college football. I don't need to know. They're not going to teach me much about the Big 12. I'm not trying to sound out of line here, but they're not going to teach me much about the Big 12. In fact, they need me to teach them a little bit more about the Big 12 sometimes. But I like to flip through and see what they say about the Big 12 just out of curiosity. And then, you know, dive into, of course, what they're saying about the other conferences around college football. But anyway, uh, Phil Steele is picking OU to win the Natty this year. In the preseason magazine, Steele predicts, quote, and writes, while the four playoff teams all lost a lot of their star players to the NFL draft, including their quarterback, Oklahoma actually lost just four, four, and returned their star quarterback in Spencer Rattler. You know the Sooners will have an explosive offense under Lincoln Riley, especially with a veteran QB. They also have the best defense that Riley has fielded in his five years, with all three units ranking in my top ten. The schedule is very manageable, with the toughest tests away from home being Texas and Oklahoma State. I know Riley's 0-3 in the playoffs, but this time he has a complete team and finally breaks through, giving Oklahoma their first national title since the year 2000. And that is why, I mean, I, <laughs> I, before I get to more on this Oklahoma thing, I, I feel really bad for Iowa State. Let me tell you why. Like, Iowa State, first off, last year and this year is probably going to be the best two-year run of Iowa State football history to date. And last year was a pandemic, so you couldn't go to the games. And the Jack wasn't rocking, and you couldn't go to the Big 12 title game and pack AT&T Stadium. And then this year, you're going to have Oklahoma, which has finally figured out the defensive side of the ball and will be a favorite to win the national title. I mean, you know, if, if an Oklahoma team of any of the past five years was on the field this fall, I, you know, I think a lot of people might be more inclined to pick Iowa State to win the Big 12. But I, with the way this Oklahoma offense is balanced, finally, by its defense is something we have not seen in going on a decade in Norman. 
That's what changes the equation here. That's what makes this different, you see? So the Sooners have obviously dominated the Big 12. They've won six straight conference titles, but they have yet to win that game in the college football playoff. Now, he's right to point out, by the way, you look at the OU schedule, and we went through the schedules here in the last couple of weeks, but for sake of this conversation, the non-conference is easy. I mean, Nebraska, I'm, I'm not ragging on OU. They schedule Nebraska thinking Nebraska is going to be a you know really good football program because they traditionally have been, and they're just not anymore, at least as of right now. But when your toughest games are, uh, and it's not really at Texas, right? I mean, the, the game at Texas is really a neutral site. So that, that doesn't really count when Steele says, well, the toughest test away from home being Texas and Oklahoma State. Yes, you're away from home, but it's not even a true road game, obviously. And then going to Oklahoma State, I mean, does anybody have any confidence that Mike Gundy can, you know, Ever beat OU again? Let's be honest. I mean, there's a lot to praise Mike Gundy for. He's done a heck of a job with the program. But can you really tell me with any confidence that, you know, this is the year that Mike Gundy wins Bedlam? I can't. You know, it's, by the way, Thanksgiving weekend, Bedlam. I, I like it that weekend, but I'm not like, all right, this is the year. No, I mean, unless Tyree Kill shows up, I don't see it happening. I don't. They don't have to go to Morgantown, West Virginia. That's always a tr- tough trip. I mean, they do have to go to K-State, and Chris Kleiman's had his numbers, so maybe that's a little tricky. But you would think after losing that game two years in a row, you'd be okay. You got TCU at home. You got Tech at home. You got Iowa State at home. Going to Baylor could be a little sneaky. But, yeah, I mean, the schedule sets up beautifully for Oklahoma. That's why I picked them on the over 11 wins last week, too, because it just sets up for them really well, and the balance they have on both sides of the ball is something that can't be overlooked. And it is time. I mean, the Big 12 does need the credibility to me of playing in a national championship. If OU, outside of, like, Iowa State, who believes they can play in the playoff, and, you know, Texas for obvious reasons, OU winning a national title is actually good for for the entire Big 12. From a recruiting perspective, from a visibility perspective, from a credibility perspective, it actually is good. So, listen, I'm not saying if you're a Baylor fan, go root for uh, OU, but I'm just pointing out getting the Big 12 over that hump, winning a game in the playoff, and possibly winning a uh, national championship is is good for the conference. Look at the SEC. I mean, Texas A&M, worthless Texas A&M, has been riding the coattails of the Alabama Crimson Tide for almost 10 years now. I mean, they're going to have to start charging rent there in Tuscaloosa pretty soon with the amount that uh, A&M's taken from them. My goodness. So there is good there. There is. Um, I, I want to talk through this story as well. Nebraska, speaking of former Big 12 teams, fired. I, I mean, came out as a firing, but it's really just Bill Moose stepping down, retiring as the Nebraska athletic director. I thought it was an odd hire when it happened a few years back, but... You know, he's made good hires. Scott Frost in football, although the returns haven't been there, but he brought him in from UFC or UCF, where he had a lot of success in Florida. And he's a former, of course, Nebraska guy. And Fred Hoiberg in men's basketball. Of course, the former Iowa State and Chicago Bulls coach. Um, the question was, who's going to replace him? Well, a name that popped up quickly, speculative name, was Iowa State Athletic Director Jamie Pollard. And it was easy to, you know, make that connection. Oh, Midwest guy who's exceeded expectations. Iowa State's a stepping stone job. 
Well, it turned out that he is not the favorite as of this conversation right now, and there was never any indication he was interested or that it was something Nebraska was necessarily interested in. Maybe they knew that, you know, Pollard wouldn't want it. But I love how every time some big job comes up in coaching, they talk about Matt Campbell. In athletic directors, they talk about Jamie Pollard. That, to me, is kind of a pinch-me moment. It should be a pinch-me moment if you're an Iowa State fan. To be like when big jobs come up, the best, some of the best jobs in the country come up, our guys are getting talked about. And by the way, our guys aren't just jumping ship like they might have done 15, 20, 25 years ago. They're staying here. That means something special is building. I mean, and, and that's not a shocker to anybody in Ames, but it's just a reminder. Like, because a lot of Iowa State fans got annoyed that I uh, put this up on social media and wrote a story about it that, you know, Jamie Pollard in some corners got conversation for the Nebraska job. He was never going to take. Relax. Be flattered, right? I, I knew Jamie would never want that job. Okay, good for you. Who cares? Be flattered. You'd rather be in this position where your guys get talked about for jobs and instead of getting butthurt by it, just be like, wow, that's awesome. Our guys are getting talked about. And you know what's even more awesome? They're not taking them. Like, this is a huge compliment to Iowa State. Don't get defensive about it, as too many folks are getting sometimes on this. It's a huge compliment. Now, changing course, it's time for a discussion on name, image, and likeness. It is here. Guys are going to be making money off this, and we'll talk about it. Wrapping up the show, coming up next. So we've hit the month of July, and you know what that means? That means the world of college athletics has officially changed. Uh, The NCAA gave approval this week on Wednesday to allow all student-athletes the opportunity to pursue name, image, and likeness deals starting on July 1. What else does that mean? That also means that the NCAA is effectively worthless. That's what that means in part. I mean, what does the NCAA do now? Tell me what the NCAA does besides throw a big tournament every March, a big party every March. That's, that's all they're good for, and that's really all that they do. And they basically neutered themselves on Wednesday of this week when they said, oh, okay, uh, well, now you can, all student-athletes can uh, pursue name, image, and likeness because this was going to get very hairy because you still had a lot of states that had not passed name, image, and likeness rules and laws. So you're going to have a situation where a guy at Texas and Oklahoma could theoretically make money off his name, image, and likeness, but a guy at Iowa State could not make money off his name, image, and likeness. So all of a sudden, things have gone in a very strange direction, a very different direction, and frankly, it's for the better. You could not have these rules different rules for different athletes based on what state they are in. Like, that would not have worked at all for multiple reasons. It just would have been a disaster for college sports. So the NCAA came out. They, I mean, gosh, leave it to the NCAA, the worthless NCAA, to wait until the very last minute to finally be like, fine, we're acquiesce. We give up. Uh, what, what more do you want from us? I mean, you could have taken care of this weeks ago, not months ago, but hey, uh, why not let this thing drag out till literally the day before? Because that's what the NCAA does. They don't do much well. They do the NCAA tournament well, and that's about it. But they basically neutered themselves because, remember, the college football playoff is separate from the NCAA. They barely have anything to do with operating college football anymore. The Bulls do their own thing. And they have college basketball and then, of course, the non-revenue sports. 
But now, uh, you know, they've taken away a lot of that amateurism power that they had over college athletics. It's just, you know, it's a different environment now. So that is part of what they have done uh, to themselves in this entire process. Now, this is the right move, by the way. This is not paying players. Let's be clear here. This is not paying players. I'm not a proponent of paying players. It will be a disaster. Most players of all sports are not worth more than their scholarship is worth. I mean, you factor in the scholarship, the tutoring, the training, the dietitians. I mean, some of these schools, you're getting a quarter million dollars worth of, um, of trade out of that, for lack of a better word. But this is capitalism at its finest, where it allows these guys and gals to go out there and see if anybody wants to pay them to do endorsement deals on social media. You know, I mean, I, I work in radio full time, so I do endorsements on the air. It's basically a similar thing through their social media accounts. And it's all well and good. I don't have a problem with it, but I will add this as well. I think a lot of guys are going to be disappointed and gals. But I say more so for the guys because the guys just with the revenue sports being football and basketball, that's obviously where more money is likely to be made. But I think players and student athletes are going to be disappointed. I think they all believe that they're worth something when it comes to, yeah, oh, I'll get a I'll get an endorsement from the car dealership for a thousand bucks a month. Why? What makes you so sure of that? Yeah, I bet you Spencer Rattler can, you know, get a bunch of endorsements. Oklahoma quarterback Heisman favorite, right? Baker Mayfield could have done the same. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the quarterbacks obviously if probably all the major schools can get something. You got 100-plus guys on these rosters, and I'm sorry, overwhelming majority. A handful may get a few deals, but that's it. Like, let's be honest, that's it. And I, th- I see these guys on social media, and they're like, hit me up for, uh, for uh, endorsements. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> like, I'm not knocking the position, but, you know, the backup left guard, the, the, the guy who rotates in at safety on third downs, I, come on. I, I think these guys are in, some of them are in for a really rude awakening. Like, people are not going to be flocking to you for for what you think they're going to be flocking to you for. They're just, they're not going to do it. So, I, I don't think this dramatically changes the sport. I think the guys uh, on the upper echelon are, are going to, you know, get theirs if they want, so to speak. And there may be some other big-time athletes in, like, non-revenue sports who are just big social media sensations or whatever it might be that'll also make a buck or two. But that's it. I mean, the real money is still going to be – let's just put it this way, too. If you're a guy who's on the fringe, focused like crazy at getting better at football or whatever your sport is, but more likely football or basketball – and don't spend your time trying to get endorsements for a 1000 bucks here, a 1000 bucks there, because if you get your craft to where you need it to be – and then you get drafted into the NFL or the NBA, you will make exponentially more money than you will off a local car endorsement deal or something like that. So I just, everything's got to be put in perspective with all this. You know, I think that's an important part of this entire process and this entire conversation, which is going to be very, very interesting. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. Of course, the site is heartlandcollegesports.com. Leave that rating and review. I've got koozies lined up for you guys as we approach uh, July 4th this weekend. Keep the beer cold. I put them in the mail for you when, you when you leave a rating and a review. And send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, 
at heartlandcollegesports.com. I will get you a koozie in the mail. Hit that subscribe button as well. It'll take you all 30 seconds, and it really helps us continue to beat the big dogs in the Big 12 podcasting rankings. Thank you guys for making that possible. Have a great Independence Day weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.